Hey, everybody. This is Caroline with Florida Breeze Realty. I'm here with my friend Jada Melendez of Caliber Home Loans. We're going to be discussing the ins and outs of mortgages and what it takes to get you into the home of your dreams with a breeze. Today, we are going to be discussing everything lender side, um, the things that it takes for you to get to where you need to go to get to that clear to close and, and have the home of your dreams in hand. Um, so we're just going to jump right in sure. because there's a, lot, there's a lot of coverage that needs to happen here. Um, I like to start with just kind of the overall customer mindset and preparedness. Um, when, when a customer is coming to you for the first time, they're clueless. They want to get a loan. They don't know what they need, how they need to do it. So as a customer, how would you approach them? Perfect question. So I like to explain very basic from the beginning. I never like to assume that the customer that maybe is a first-time home buyer or an investor knows exactly what the next step is. So you want to set the proper expectations up front. I like to do a thorough application. It's called a, a 1003 in, in mortgage terms. That's where we go over everything from their information of their credit, their collateral, employment, liabilities, just an open conversation, not too formal, um, and the documents that are required. So after we have that initial conversation and we can proceed to taking uh, the application, the 1003, then I start digging a little deeper and asking for documents. What kind of documents are going to need to provide for you? Well, for typically, most people are W-2 now, but then you've got some people that are also W-2 and also 1040s, or you have self-employed. I ask for everything. Um, you and I have worked very uh, well in the past where you know I ask for everything. I ask a lot of questions. So pretty basic things, uh, two, two years W-2s if they're W-2 employees. I prefer to actually ask for the full tax returns because there might be something in there that can hold up the um, the approval process. But if, if for the moment they can only give me their W-2 to, for the pre-approval, that's fine also. Uh, two recent pay statements. That way I can see everything broken down from their overtime bonus, their regular pay, um, also bank statements, any asset information, and any 401k um, information as well. Now, for the retired folks, I do ask for the Social Security um, letter, even though I do see it in their bank statements. I, Like I said, I ask for everything up front. Um, any pension inf uh, letters, um, any type of documentation that can provide what I need for their income to verify their income. So they can use any sort of income coming in, whether it be rental properties, mm -hmm. uh, 401k, and sure. you know, yeah. retirement, retirement funds. funds. Those can all be considered yes. for, for funding. For funding, yes, Good. exactly. Because I think most people are hung up on the idea that if I don't have a job or if I don't have a paycheck coming in or if I don't have this particular document, I can't get a loan. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that I want to demystify some of the ideas of lending like you mm -hmm. you can get homes you can get loans with just others other through other avenues right so right. to speak mm -hmm. um so when it comes to that i like to wrap people's mindset around the idea of why okay well now i'm giving you all this information a is it secure and why do i have to give you all of this mm -hmm. like what is this proving mm -hmm. so it, for me when i'm describing it to my customers i'm explaining like listen they want your your w-2s and your history to show that you have had income mm -hmm. <laughs> and then your pay stubs showing that you still have income you have future income exactly, exactly. so it's mm -hmm. kind of one of those this is why we bring it together um 
So now, now they're going to have all their documents to you. What is it you're looking for to put them in certain types of programs? So like the different types of loan programs that are out there. Okay. So you have your standard FHA, Federal Housing Authority, that is geared for first-time home buyers and maybe individuals that have had credit hiccups. And most of us have, right? Nobody's born with an 850. Um, I've probably seen three of those in my eight years in finance and they're retired. So we all have time is what I tell my consumers. So you've got the FHA loan, you've got your conventional alone, which is for individuals that can be first-time home buyers, right? Uh-huh. But their credit is a little bit better, 660, 680 or above. Okay. Now, you can have a lower FICO score at a 620 and still get a conventional loan. It depends on your assets. So each individual is different. Um, and that's why I always take a very thorough application because I ask all the questions up front. You've also got your VA loan, which is fantastic for our veterans. Thank you for your service. I'm an army brat. Um, But it's 100% financing. So that's wonderful. They bring nothing to the table. They bring closing costs. Okay. But the beauty of it is you, as a wonderful realtor you are, can negotiate that seller concession. And most sellers are willing to to give a seller concession, especially to veterans. Um, And the VA loans close pretty quickly pretty cut and dry. Um, one thing they always look for is termites. Always need a termite inspection for a VA loan. Um, then you've got your USDA loan, which is more for rural areas, um, people that want acreage that are out, you know, more in those zip farm codes, lands. farmland, things mm-hmm. like that. That's also 100% financing. That is more agricultural. And there there is a lot of stipulations, though, to get approved for that type of loan. Got it. Yeah, I, I thought that I heard somewhere that USDA was actually trying to loosen a little bit so that they can get more yeah. uh, loans in, but I, I'm not 100% sure, and I'm, I'm not a lender. I, so I, I, ho- I hope they do because there's a lot of folks out there that maybe don't want an HOA and that yeah. want their land. Yeah. And they have, you know, especially now, right, a lot of people are working from home. And if your job is fixing vehicles or you need a shed in the back, that garage in that neighborhood you live in may not be the workspace you need. So. I think we're going to end up seeing a little bit of a shift in that as well, just because of the fact that everybody is working from Mm -hmm. home right now. I know a lot of office places are closing down. People are just taking it to work from home. So they're going to want to have a space that has an area that they can build a little office space in the back or, or grow their home that way. Yeah. 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 Cause I know working from home for me is, it's a little (laughs) bit of a struggle because you always get into that whole, Oh, I got a dish to wash. Oh, I've got some floors to clean. Oh, I've got this to do. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have kids, you always think of what can I do in between time they're at school. I have a few hours. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so off topic on that one. <laughs> <All right. laughs> now with the uh, so we have FHA. Now uh, now the, with FHA, there's some confusion here as well with the fact that there's several different types of FHA. So when you're talking about FHA, there's FHA 203k mm-hmm. loans, FHA 203b, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the difference between those types of loans? 203k is a renovation loan. So let's say you have somebody that loves the home. This is a, the, the neighborhood is perfect, but there's always a, but I want a new kitchen. I want windows. I want flooring. You can always try to get them financing through 203k. That's the renovation loan. It does take about 60 to 90 days. Longer process. So it's a very unique situation because you'll have to find a seller who is willing to wait for that process. 
I feel like those uh, from the buyer's perspective and an mm-hmm. agent perspective, there are those people who are out there, especially with the homes that have been on the market for so a longer long. period of right. time, and they know it needs work that Except it would be. The older homes, right. So when it comes to that, and we'll, we'll touch on appraisals a little bit later because I do want to have a little more conversation in depth about appraisals, but when it comes to a 203 type of loan, the appraisal process being that you know you have to put money in for renovations, is that going to be, how does that work, and what's the amount that you get the difference of? For the home. It just it's depending. It always just depends on how much repair, how much the the purchase price is. It does have to appraise over um, what the estimated repairs would be. You'll also need to get general contractors, and they have to be vested by the lender. You can't just have your neighbor come over because we have to protect ourselves also as a lender. Of course. And yeah. you as a consumer, you want to make sure that the drywall's right or the windows are being put in correctly, things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And there's a lot of a lot of under-the-table work that gets done out there. Mm-hmm. I actually do a little bit of renovations on the side as mm-hmm. well, but I do work with people who are licensed and insured so that I don't run into any problems. Exactly. But we were talking about uh, uh, bonds and down payment assistance. Yes. Um, what 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 with the different bond programs that are out there? We have Orange County Bond Program, Florida Bond Program. What is the differences between those programs and and the the pros and cons of using them? Sure. So bond, um, it's for first time homeowners. It is repayable. Where DPA, it's forgivable money. Okay. So the way you would repay the bond is you'd have to live in the home. Uh, for the minimum amount of years, and that way you won't have to repay it. You do get a $7,500 towards closing costs or buying down points. You do need a 640 or above to um, to qualify. Now, um, also ratios are strict with bond. You know, we're looking at 45% for bond. Um, and DPA, the rules aren't as strict, but the funds do run out a lot faster. So with um, the Florida bond program, the IRS rules do apply. So they would take into consideration everybody in the household where the DPA, they don't ask for the tax returns um, for the income of the household. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, Bond program is three years non-payment. Or if you sell or... or Correct, yeah. Okay. If you, mm-hmm. um, and then down payment assistance. Okay, so uh, bond program, no classes. Yes. Down payment assistance, eight-hour class. Eight-hour class, right. Okay. So you have the the thirty the 7,500. Is there a repayment factor on that or... For Florida bond, there there is no repayment um, f- factor on that. For DPA also, um, it is forgivable money. But if you do borrow the money, you're going to have to pay it back before, let's say, you refinance or get rid of the home. So if you live in the home for at least three years, you will not have to pay it back. But let's say you do borrow it and you try to vacate the property or refinance, you have to you would have to pay that back. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, do you recommend people use the down payment assistance if they have if they don't have to um let's just say that the credit score is like a you know 15 20 percent or 20 point difference mm-hmm. wait or go for the down payment assistance what do you mean 20 point like if they have a 620 yeah like 620 okay. 640 and then you have the conventional loans that start at 680 so mm-hmm. wait for those 40 points to get to that conventional position or go ahead and just use the down payment assistance and and you know, higher interest rate and all of that. I does. would definitely try to do a credit supplement or a rescore. And that's one of the things we do at Caliber is if somebody says, you know, they're like 15 points, 20 points less than the approval. Let's let's look at your credit. I call it scrubbing the credit. 
Let's see everything. And I mean everything. You know, what's going on? Is there a medical collection? Is there something that might not be yours? I have a lot of credit pulls where the consumer doesn't know they're on there as an authorized user. That their spouse or former spouse or family member put them on without them knowing it. Yeah. So the issue with authorized user, yes, if if both of you are making your payments and not stretching out the DTI, debt to income ratio, right, mm-hmm. um, maxing out the card, that's great. But if the actual user maxes it out at five hundred dollars and not keeps it, you know, at the two fifty, two hundred right. mark, then guess what's going to happen to the to you as a borrower? It's going to affect your score too. Gotcha. So we find a lot of things on credit where it's like, oh, you're an authorized user and they don't know it. So we have them removed. Removing an authorized user can get the score up. Okay. So without delay, is that almost it'll probably an take a week, oh, but it's okay. better than trying to do a credit repair or, or even come up with the additional down payment. Gotcha. So if it's a 620 and they need a 640, let's have a conversation and see if we could do a supplement or even a credit rescore and then get you to that 640 mark. It's always worth a try. Yeah. Is there anything on credit now that you brought credit up and it's it's it wasn't really, you know, one of those things that people think about. But when you think about credit, um, mm-hmm. th- is there anything that's not taken into consideration in that? Because I know some people are like, well, they won't check medical loans. They won't worry about school loans. They won't worry about this. I'm like, I know for me that I thought it was everything that goes in. No mm-hmm. matter what, everything adds up. Everything's in there. It mm-hmm. all affects you one way. But there is a, a you know. A false sense of it's not always everything's not always checked. Is that true? Not true? It's true. Everything's it's checked. If that if that's what you're asking, yeah. everything's checked. Even if there's a mortgage that's not showing up on the credit report, the title company will find out. There are lenders that will do a private loans and only report if a consumer is late. Got so you. sometimes it slips their minds that they have that condo out west. Right? It happens. (laughs) I know. So when I do my interview process, it's always like, do you own any other properties at all? You know, not just what's on the credit. Medical collections, FHA is forgivable. They'll look past it as long as it's below $1,000. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to touch base to something on bond. For bond, the guidelines are always changing with bond. And I believe it's going to be where the bond money, the $7,500, does have to be repaid. For the down payment, it's actually forgivable money. Also, the big difference with bond is they go by the IRS rules, meaning we consider the spouse and the household, even if the spouse is not on the application. Because we want the income for the entire house. Gotcha. So we want to make sure it's not a consumer that makes boatloads of money and is just trying to get the assistance that other individuals truly need. Fair. Where uh, down payment assistance, right, they don't ask for tax returns or anything like that. So that's the difference. Gotcha. We don't ask for tax returns from the household. Gotcha. Just, the, just who's on the loan. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. is there classes that go along with down payment assistance? Yes. So it, all there's so many types. You've got the SHIP program. You have the Florida e-housing. You got MCC. So it depends on per county. You can attend a class, which is really good because you'll have the down payment assistant specialist there answering questions. Sometimes you get a free lunch out of it. It's about eight hours and you'll get a certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's eight hours just one time. You don't have to one do it before, th- before right. and after because right. I know some people always like, oh, I got to do another eight yeah, hours Yeah, it changes after. so much, but no, it's just eight hours. You get a certificate. It does expire, I believe, within six months to a year, so you'll have to go back for that. Um, but yes, it's it's both of them are good programs. It just depends on the parameters of the person's DTI, 
the county that they live, the income, and, you know, obviously with the parameters of uh, bond asking to follow the IRS guidelines where DPA, you don't have to show all the tax returns in the household. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So we've been we've been throwing around a lot of little letters here and there. DPA, DTI. Right. Let's let's run through a quick shorthand sure. of all the alphabets that we use. Yeah, because <laughs> we do have PMI, yes. MIP, uh, DTI, yes. VOE, the tons. I, I can't even right. <laughs> off the top of my head think yeah. of all of it. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of confusion for most people. But what is the difference between PMI and MMP? Okay, very good question. So PMI is private mortgage insurance. And that is if you're going through a conventional loan, right? The MIP is FHA. What are the what is the difference with the two? And I always tell my consumers this FHA, when you have the MIP, it is credit based. And what the MIP is, which is mortgage insurance, is to protect the home in the event the borrower does default, the the home is protected with an additional layer of insurance. Now, MPI for conventional is credit driven. So if you're going conventional, and I can get you approved hypothetically at a 630 because you do have assets, things like that, your uh, PMI is going to be a little bit higher than if you had a 700. Yeah. Now, the beauty of the difference with conventional and FHA is as long as your loan goes below 80%, your loan to value versus how much you owe versus um, how much it's worth, then that PMI will drop with conventional. So that additional mortgage insurance goes away. So is that an automatic thing or do people have to call and initiate that with their lender? I would call and initiate that with your lender, but at Caliber, we're pretty on top of it where we have so much staff with, with servicing and things like that, that we kind of sent, Hey, do you know you're, it's about to drop off, you know, uh, your payment's going to get lower, where FHA, the MIP, also is mortgage insurance, it stays. Forever and ever. Until you get out of it. it mm. The rules have changed. Before, it would stay for 10 years, um, as long as your loan get, can get below 80%. So they followed similar rules, but similar. they changed. But now that. the guidelines tightened up again, where it's there for, for through the term of the loan. Yeah, there mm-hmm. is some basic uh, general overall concepts with lending that never change, but then there are other aspects. And I, and I tell everybody, too, it's it's every file is going to be like a thumbprint. None of them is going to be the same because your income is different, your credit score is different, your mm-hmm. debt to income is different. So it's all going to be a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I lost my straw. That's right, I thought. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. So the next acronym I've been throwing around, you know, these past couple minutes is DTI. That's your debt to income ratio. Mm -hmm. So that's how much you make, which is why it's so important. I gather all of your financials, everything, everything, especially if you have mixed income like W-2 and, you know, you do some work on the side that you're 1040. So it's good that I get everything up front and I analyze it. So that's your debt versus your income. So what is on your credit report monthly? Because a lot of consumers think, does that include my cell phone? Does that include Spectrum. No, it's just what's reported on your credit report. So we have to uh, balance that out to get an approval. Okay. Um, VOE, verification of employment, very important too. So not only will we verify um, by, you know, the, the application process, but Caliber has a wonderful system where if a consumer or myself puts into the employment part, we can actually do a digital work verification of employment before the file even gets to uh, underwriting. So I've already got this individual's work history, their title, what they're making, how long they were there for, all of that. And how early does that process start? 
I mean, if it's if it's something where the the income is, you know, could go left or right, we just do it up front. We try to do it up front as quick as possible. We also have um, the um, asset information, digital asset information, where the consumer can put in their information, and it'll give us their bank statements. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. As long as it's with a a Chase, Bank of America. Something that's secure so that you can have access Mm -hmm. but without accessing their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What's another acronym? What's our favorite acronym? Oh, CTC. CTC. I know we <laughs> wanted to save that for last, but while we're on acronyms, yeah, that that is that is the most uh, important acronym at the very end. Mm-hmm. And as a as a realtor, you love to hear that, and we send fireworks with text messages and emails and phone calls. We get and excited. We made we it. get excited. So that's that's when we're done. We, we we've crossed the finish line. Yeah. Your file has been approved by underwriting. Yep. Uh, now it's time to close. So then we schedule the closing and they get their keys. CTC. CTC. Clear to close. Clear to close, yes. Um, th- with the VOE, is there a, a process where you have to do it again just before closing, though? Very good question, yes. Yeah, especially with COVID, we do it three days prior to closing. Very gotcha. important. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have uh, your HR on, on deck. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always warn them, just get, make sure they know. Make mm-hmm. sure they know that you're getting a home because otherwise they, they can be like, la, la, la. Right. And never get to what you need to get. At, at, at the beginning of everything that was happening this past year, I think we had a lot of hiccups when it came to the, the VOEs because everything was shut down and wasn't anybody working HR. And we're like, oh, God, please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we got through it. We do get we through really it. We do get through through it. It. Yeah. We let, let us stress for you. Don't worry. Yes, let us stress for you. Exactly. <laughs> so we were talking about the ratios, and I just want to go back into real quickly the idea of what is the lowest, what's the highest, like how, how do the ratios go? What you can't get a loan if you are under what ratio? Okay. So for conventional, it, it depends on the assets. We typically don't like to go over 45%, and that includes your total mortgage payment. Okay. So co- combining whatever's on your credit report, all your credit cards, car car notes, things like that, um, also the total monthly payment for the mortgage, typically not over 45%. Um, the VA, they can go up to 50%. So that's another reason that we love VA loans because they allow the, the veterans to stretch it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They're not as strict as conventional. FHA, 50 to 55%. I don't recommend tipping the 55%. Um, um, now, if there's no debt, meaning the consumer literally has maybe one small credit card and their and their rental uh, history plus the mortgage, we don't like to go past forty five percent. Okay, that's very important because a lot of um, I've seen a lot of consumers go somewhere and they get approved and they say, oh, well, they told me I was fifty percent debt to income ratio total. But when I, when he looks at his credit, he has one credit card. So there's there's not enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it has to be forty five percent front end and back end if, if they don't have any debt. Gotcha. Front debt. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and and right now the interest rates are great. Yes, they're very they're, good. They're, they're very good. Yes. Uh, does any of the debt to income ratio affect the interest rate? That's a good question. DTI doesn't so much affect it. It's credit. It's gotcha. credit and the program. So the government loans like FHA, USDA, VA, you'll have a lot more attractive rates. Conventional right now is pretty good. You know, this is the best I've seen conventional rates, even for a refinance. So they're typically a little bit higher than the FHA route. Why? Why would I go conventional then? The additional layer we talked about, the PMI, is mm-hmm. always much less 
than the um, MI on FHA. FHA is always a much less, right? You know, they got to protect themselves, which mm-hmm. I understand. I mean, they're taking a chance on an, a, a buyer who, you know, didn't necessarily come with a strong background. So I, I can understand it. Um, it's unfortunate because it does hinder a lot of buyers. But um, so to so the 20% down, that's going to be the conventional thing. Mm-hmm. So if they bring that, they don't have to worry about PMI up front right off the bat. So that saves them a huge amount. Yes. Um, do you do you recommend trying to hit that 20% mark, pushing themselves to where they don't have anything in their backup monies, essentially, to mm-hmm. help them move forward? I like to think of a cushion in a sense to just kind of say, okay, we don't need to go the full 20% down if we could just, you know. Yeah, and I, I second that. I always, especially first-time home buyers, I always tell, especially young families, you know, they want to put the, let's say they want to put the 20% down, right? Mm-hmm. It's a huge difference because they want to avoid that additional payment. But my thing is this, you move into a home, what if something happens? You know, what if, I don't know, the AC, something happens with the roof? What if your wife changed her mind and wants a new kitchen? Or uh, It's always good to have a cushion rather than save that, Let's throw a number, $150 a month, $100 a month. Once you've settled into your home, you can always, you can always start adding a little bit more of your payment mm-hmm. towards the principal where you pay down the balance even more. Yeah. And let's say you still have the cushion that you were going to throw in uh-huh. to lower your payment. It's been a year. Home is great. Washer and dryer. Wife is happy. Husband's happy. Then you can consider throwing in the extra money to get it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I like that idea. Um, is there a huge difference with how much it would be to add the PMI? Like, wh- is it pennies, you know, a couple hundred added onto the loan for a PMI difference? What is what is that? Like the monthly payment? Mm-hmm. About $100, yeah. you know, 100, no matter what. $120. It depends. If you have really good credit, let's say you have an 800 credit score, mm-hmm. 75 bucks a month, 70 you know what I mean? So to put in the additional, let's say, 20% would just be, is it worth it Right. at That's, the end of the day? Yeah. Is it the 100 bucks a month versus another 10000 on the closing? That's just, yeah. for me, I'm like, no, yeah. let's just let's Now, it just depends it on the loan amount. If the loan amount is, is you know, less than 200 it might be worth it. It may not be. But if you're talking, you're in the three, four hundred thousand, half a million, I mean, that's a huge, you know, the extra per, down payment is huge. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that does make a big difference. Um, so now we've gone through the whole PMI thing, the de- down the debt to income ratios. So people have an idea of what kind of to focus on moving forward. But then you talk about: Did you get it with your lender? Mm-hmm. Did you get your pre-approval? Yes. Did you get your pre-qualified? Right. What is the biggest difference between the two? That's a great question, and I've had a lot of newer agents. Send me somebody without pulling credit, without verifying the income, you know, and can you get me a pre-qualification? I said, well, respectfully, what is that going to do for the other agent that Mm -hmm. you're going to present the offer to? Mm -hmm. I don't think of an agent that's going to look at a pre-qualification and say, yeah, this is a this is a good offer. Pre-qualification is generic, guys. I mean, how many times have you walked into your local bank, your brick and mortar not going to name the names, you know, walk to your bank, someone pull you into the banker's office and, oh, you're renting. Oh, you know, you could buy a house. You've been with us so long. What's your income? And they just plug in some numbers without verifying it, right? And they print you on their nice letterhead a pre-qualification. Yeah. Or how many times have you opened your mail and you're, you're pre-qualified for a new vehicle or you're pre-qualified for a new credit card? That's all that is, marketing. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Pre-approval oh, yeah. is what realtors like yourself love to hear because that means a, a lender, a loan consultant has authenticated everything, has pretty much underwritten the file up front as much as we can. And the pre-approval is good at Caliber for 90 days. Um, during the pre-approval process, I always tell my consumers, please don't pull your credit. Yeah. You know, oh God, please don't. Please don't buy a vehicle. Please don't quit your job and become a cabaret singer. Oh, you know, gosh. stay working well, at Siemens, please. You know. Yeah, well, they think they can, can switch jobs, and, and right. it, as long as they still have an income, it still right. counts. It changes the parameters of the loan. Um, also, with a pre-approval, desktop underwriting has been ran. Right. Meaning, that's exactly what it is. It's been underwritten up front. Pre-qualification, you're not going to get that. Um, and this is what agents are looking for on both sides. You know, has it been ran through D DU, desktop yeah. underwriting? Yep, mm -hmm. which is the other acronym I forgot. Yeah, oh, yeah. We have so many. <laughs> there is. As you go through the process, you'll hear the letters. It's just, it's a rainbow of alphabet. Right. It's great. Um, okay, so we've pre-qualified. A little less strong than a pre-approval. Yes preferably get a pre-approval because yeah. it's definitely going to stand out a lot more on a, on an offer than pre-qualified any day, mm -hmm. any day. So when it comes to an agent reaching out to you as far as, okay, you gave me a pre-qualification. Pre-approval. Pre yeah, pre-approval. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to that, like, are you allowed to disclose something to your agent to, to let them know that you're comfortable with the loan moving forward? Disclose as far as like uh, if you're talking about their pre-approval, pre-qualified, if I'm asking you, hey, what kind of documents have they submitted? Have they done this? Have they done that? Oh, yeah. I just don't want anybody feeling like we're stepping on their toes in the background. Mm, I see. OK. You know, getting there, digging for their information because right. a lot we on the front end for a buyer's agent, we have to con make them feel comfortable that we're not going to be hazardous to their information. You know, um, it, it's a huge thing to build trust with your client. So when I'm like, hey, can I get your contact information for your lender? They're like, whoa, mm -hmm. <laughs> stay out of my business. Mm -hmm. But is in in that respect, they should feel comfortable that, hey, we're on the same team. I'm trying to build this with a team for you to work on the back end. Right. It's okay. And with your lender, they'll be okay giving me that information. Right, right. Yeah, like as long as the, the lender, like I don't disclose credit scores. I don't disclose their income. Um, if, if you came to me and say, are they – pre-approved I said yep we're good to go I verified their taxes and I can say that and still be within the parameters of of the loan process verify their bank statements their income their their w-2 you know they're they are approved cool mm -hmm. cool yeah so I feel like everybody should feel pretty comfortable at this point about this because uh I, I like I said I'm I'm a big advocate of being open and honest with my clients and and giving them as much information so mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable so in the grand scheme of information the timeline of the process it's a it's we talk 30 45 60 90 days on things Oof, yeah. what is the standard timeline look for you well if i can get somebody approved today hypothetically i get you and and our buyer pre-approval you start house hunting it depends on how long it takes to find the property right okay. the market shifts so many times where you can submit one offer and they get their dream house and, you know, escrows in over the weekend, which we can touch base on that too. Mm -hmm. But let's say you find the home, contract is in, everyone's celebrating. We need 45 days. 45 in, days. In this 
you know, what, what's happening right now with, with, uh, with COVID, you know, it takes a little bit longer now from all channels, mm. title, real estate, lending, Crazy. verification of employments. There's so much that goes into it. Yeah. And there is a lot more red flag since this, since March 13th that has happened with lending. So 45 days, from, <laughs> 45 days from the time a contract is fully executed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they get on or before 45 but, yeah. days and then they can move in. Right. Yeah. Now I always try to close faster. You know that, you know, I always try to beat the record, but I like to give the expectations up front Yes. because you have to be mindful of the seller. Yes. What if the seller is, you know, looking to buy their dream retirement home or bigger dream home and it's contingent upon selling their departure residence. Right. Yeah. So if you give a time frame of 30 days, it's not realistic. Maybe, maybe, you know, January of this year or even the end of last year, we've closed loans in 30 days or less, but yeah. in, in the, in the situation we're in now, 45 days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any potential hiccups through this that, that they should be aware of? Mm -hmm. Appraisal. Yeah. I would say, well, inspection, let's start with the inspection, right? Yeah. Because after we, we get the contract, everybody's happy. The first thing they do is they put their escrow which right. is what, whatever the realtor has put on the on the contract, whether it's $1,000, $2,000. So that escrow goes to a title company, mm -hmm. third-party company. Doesn't go to the real estate company, doesn't go to us as a lender. That's just showing the seller that you are serious. Yep. Kind of like a down payment, if you will. Yeah. So whatever you did put for your escrow will be deducted from your final cash to close. Okay? Gotcha. Um, after that is the inspection. And I know you're very aggressive with getting the inspection as quick as possible. Oh, yeah. As long as it passes inspection, sometimes there's things on the inspection that actually you can go back and negotiate. Of course. For, for your buyer mm -hmm. to the seller, right? Electrical or, I don't know, something with the driveway. It, yeah. it depends. Home warranty. Who knows? Home warranty. <laughs> it changes. Yeah. Um, as long as that goes through, then we can get to the appraisal. But sometimes if the value comes in a little bit less... Or if there is something, a hiccup in the appraisal that can cause a delay. Why, why do we get appraisals anyways? What's the point of the appraisal? Well, appraisals are important because you want to make sure that the home that you're purchasing, that the value is there. Because a bank is not going to lend on a home that is below value because everything is driven by equity. Right. So you want to make sure if you're selling a three hundred thousand dollar home that it's worth three hundred thousand. Right. Because if your buyer is coming to me to get approved for three hundred, but the house is two fifty. Yeah. Is, yep. is that really, you know, we're not going to lend on that because it's an inflation on price. But is that going to be a difference when it comes to the 203K style loan, though? Because uh, isn't there a little bit of a window yeah. for that? Yes. So with a 203K loan, it just has to appraise for what the estimated value is. And those, it just depends on the home and it depends on how much value that you're looking to repair. If it's structural or if it's something that's simple. Yeah. And mm -hmm. obviously we'll, we'll have to come back with an actual appraiser to give us a little bit of the differences on the types of appraisals. Cause there are there's so several many appraisals. different types of appraisals. Yes, there are so many different types of appraisals. Um, as you know, um, it's an independent unbiased assessment, right? So another third party of how much the property is worth. So you've got your basic appraisal, which is your, uh, about $450 for an FHA appraisal. Um, then you've got your appraisals for condos that take a little bit more detail that goes into it. 
yeah. things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the HOA has to step in on some right. of that to give some information on the background as well. Mm-hmm. So, and HOAs are less than fun to deal with. They sure are. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've done we do appraisals. Now it goes and uh, into the the underwriting position. Mm-hmm. So with an underwriter, what is it that they're looking for? Sure. What do they do? What's the purpose of an underwriter? Underwriter, we need them to be our best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I always try to build a rapport with my underwriters. You know, I always call immediately once we do have a loan approval to just discuss the, the consumer so they don't think that, you know, Mr. Jones is just an, a loan number. Mm. You know, even if it's Mr. Jones has an 850 and he's doing Social Security and pension and it's a, it's a very easy loan, I still like to call and, and let them know who this consumer is. Oh, this is his retirement home. He's downsizing, things like that. So an underwriter is there to evaluate and determine the level of credit, the level of collateral and character assets that the consumer has to to be um you know given the approval for the first approval process and then the final clear to close um they also i guess they they measure the risk involved with each application and um, to make sure that they do qualify so isn't that what you do though in the front end yeah, that is what I do, but it's always good. They need an underwriter because, you know, as a loan Second consultant, size. yeah, you might miss something, you know, or something might happen within the first three weeks of the loan process that didn't happen when I did the initial upfront application. Something might come up, things like that. So an underwriter is there just to make sure that it's approved and, um, you know, going over the file again and with any changes that they can work through it. Well, they might say, well, didn't we have the DU, the, the desktop underwriting? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that have cleared this all before the underwriter underwriter actually got, gets yeah, to it? Yeah, DU is just a desktop underwriting. So it's very, I don't want to say basic, but it's, it kind of gets you through the gate, yeah, right? Because the if there's something on there, on the application or credit, and I think it looks great. This yeah. consumer has a great score, has great assets, but they might find something in there that I didn't find. It's kind of like a set of set of second, second set, set of, of eyes, eyes before you issue the pre-approval. And that they get to issue all the, the right. final. Yay, and there's conditions, close. and I try to do maybe a two-touch process. So once we submit the file to underwriting, it sits there. You know, They look at it, they send back the conditions, I get the conditions, make sure that it's, you know, I try to be as perfect as I can be when we resubmit. So when we resubmit at that point, it should be the final approval. And you say conditions, mm-hmm. what, what is, what do you mean oh, by yeah. conditions? What do they need to do? Well, with, let's to say, that? let's say, um, child support, mm-hmm. you know, show me the letter. Um, that shows that you you are um, collecting that. Because each loan is different. Each right. consumer, like you mentioned, it's a thumbprint, right? There's no set person. Um, if someone is collecting um, disability for their child, we need information on that. Um, conditions like bank statements, because I asked for two months bank statements mm-hmm. up front and two pay statements. But let's say three weeks in, the bank statement, we need a new, the new month has expired or the old month has expired. So more updated Information yeah. is what the underwriters look for. Those are called conditions. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I think everybody gets scared like, oh, my gosh, there's a condition. I can't get this home. And, and yeah, guys, it's standard, right? Because <laughs> I always tell everyone, you know, you're not buying a vehicle. You're buying a home. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest investment of your life. It's you get to have economic 
you know, empowerment. Yeah. You get to be part of the other side and not renting. So yeah, there's going to be a lot more steps to it than just buying a vehicle. So don't get nervous when, you know, we have conditions. Okay. It's an, it's a conditional approval is what we give. And that's what the realtors look for is we need our conditional approval within X amount of days of the contract. Each contract is different. But once we get the conditional approval, then the conditions come. So simple stuff, just documents. Think of it as just documents. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then let's touch a little bit on the, the concept of rate locking. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, well, the interest rates are great right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so why do I have to lock anything? Mm-hmm. What's the point of the locking and, and what do you have to do to lock in a rate? And is there a way to change it if, say, <laughs> okay, I locked in at yeah. 4% today, but, uh, you know, tomorrow came and all of a sudden it's 3.25. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's important to lock it because the stock market is volatile. It's fluid. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I don't try to bring politics into it, but Thursday night I locked somebody for a refi and I'm glad I did because the next day, you know, the market was all in red. Everything mm-hmm. was tanking because of what had happened right. the Friday, the news, right? Right. So it all depends on the market. If, if you can get a good interest rate, lock it in. It doesn't cost you anything as a consumer. Gotcha. Nothing. I can lock it in for 30, 60, 90 days. In this day and age, if it's a purchase, I lock it in for 45 days. But if I locked it and then tomorrow the interest rate drops, what? If you lock it and the interest rate drops before closing, we go back to the rate sheet of the day you locked it. If that makes sense. So we go back and we say, okay, we're going to lower your rate and this is how much it's going to, if it costs you anything, um, we can go back to the rate sheet of that day to to lower it, but it has to be from that date's rates. So if you're asking if I lock it today, mm-hmm. two point seven five. Right. Tomorrow you wake up and you say, Oh, I got I could have got a two point six five. Right. You are locked in at the two point seven five. But let's say your credit gets a little bit better, which happens, right? Before closing. Hey, my my credit got better. Can we adjust my rate? Yeah, we can go back to the day, the rate sheet of the day it was locked and then adjust it. Got it. Based on your credit at that Got point. Got it. So there is a little concern on on that, and it is there is a little bit of like, okay, make sure you lock it in when you can. But so I I understand a little bit of the fear that goes into locking a rate at that moment. But at the same time, if it's a good rate, and they all if are it's right a good now, rate, yeah, I I get nervous. It's called floating a rate, meaning yeah. oh yes, we have a contract or even a refi, but we want to wait because the market should be getting better. I mean, it's a gamble, yeah. you know, it, it really is. But at that point, you just have to, you have to watch the market yeah. and you have to see what's going on. But yeah. like Thursday night, if I hadn't locked that lady's rate in, she would have been paying three times the amount for that refinance rate on Friday morning. Wow. Wow. So when I woke up and I saw the market, and she texts me, thank you, because <laughs> she understands how it works, too. Oh, good. You know, good. So. There's some understanding in there. So now we're, st- we're still on interest rates. We're still talking about that kind of thing. The other concept is the buy down of mm-hmm. a rate. Mm-hmm. What uh, the, the concept of that is a little strange to, I think, some people. What is the cost of a buy down and, and what is the purpose of a buy down? OK, so let's say you, your credit is a 675 mm-hmm. and you want a lower rate. It's going to cost you as a consumer money to buy down the rate, to buy down the dream rate you want. If you want the 2.75, but I'm offering you 3%, it's going to cost you. So it depends on the credit, depends on the loan amount. Like as an example, um, I had a, a purchase contract yesterday for 230000 
673 FICO score, I was able to get him uh, 3.3% with paying nothing. Still good. FHA, right? Wow. Still pretty yeah. good. Yeah. However, if he wanted to buy it down, meaning um, to decrease the, the interest rate and decrease the total payment, he, would, he did have to pay an additional $1,000. And it's linked to the stock market. Every day it shifts. Every day is different. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I always give them options. Like in his case, the $1,000 didn't affect him because he's getting a gift from family. Gotcha. And they were willing to give him, they already had a, a set pressure. amount, but mine was already 3000 less. So he's uh, like, oh, I have a well, surplus. I, I said, well, don't I spend the money now. <laughs> Let's hold on no, to it. Yeah, don't, yeah, buy, no, don't, buy, don't buy No, couches. no. So that's, that's how you, when we say buying down the interest rate, and make sure, you know, if you're, you're going to any lender, any bank, that it, exp- it is explained to you up front. Yes. Okay? Oh, yeah. Now, let's say your interest rate expires. Let's say your loan officer only locked it for 30 days, but they should have locked it for 45. What do you do? We, as a lender, we give one day free, meaning we can float it that's free. But if it expires, the consumer will have to pay for that extension, whether it's two days, three days, a week. Yeah. So always be mindful when you are going to get an approval, hopefully you go through me, that you lock it for 45 days. Absolutely. Now, if you know it's going to take a little bit longer for whatever reason, let's say the seller is going through some things with taxes or, you know, anything can change, lock it in for 60 days. You have peace of mind. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I would always just go for the longest period the of time anyways because you never know what happens in transactions. There's oh, Not that there's hiccups, but there's always some sort of obstacle mm-hmm. that you have to overcome throughout the whole the whole process. Right, and, like if the appraisal value is, is less than yeah. what the purchase price is, yeah. what do we do? Well, we, go, we do an appraisal review, right? So that can take time because now the appraiser has to go back and has to rework the comparables and make sure that the value that they provided is fair yeah. or they can increase the price. But that can delay a week, five business days, maybe 10 business days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when you got to get documents signed and if somebody's not in town or. Right. And that's another thing. So much. A lot of these sellers are not here anymore. Yeah. Have, what do we call it? The mail away closings. Mm-hmm. So those are also a reason why I always say let's let's put the expectations up front. I always ask, is it a, is is the seller here? Are they local? And there's been times. And remember our tra- our transaction o- over the in March, the seller was here, but then they decided to go to New York. Yeah. Yeah. So that changed the parameters yep. of the loan and getting their their documentation signed and all that. Yeah, so, had to chase them down. Had to chase them down <laughs> nicely. So <laughs> if there is, I, and I, I always recommend everybody interview their 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 lenders, sure. their inspectors, anybody that they can interview. If there is anything that you would suggest that somebody asks their lender to for just, Hey, you know, you want to go with this lender, make sure, you know, X, Y, and Z. What are some of the key things that you think that anybody should be talking to or interviewing and asking their lenders? What is your process like with approvals? Do you actually look at, do you actually like, I still print documents. I know save the trees, but I print (laughs) them because sometimes let's say on your laptop or on your phone, looking at a bank statement. I mean, you know, you might miss something yeah. looking at a tax return, especially self-employed. Yeah. You know, you're looking at the Schedule E. You need to have that yeah. in detail because any oh, yeah. little item can can make or break a deal. Yeah. 
how how do you how as a lender how do you guys approve me like do you really look at my documents um are you going to help me when it comes to buying down the are you going to explain things to me um who's your support staff because we have a lot of these lenders now that is always on infomercials that's always promising things always promising to pay closing costs <laughs> But an astute borrower will know nothing's for free. Nothing. Closing costs is part of a transaction in yes. mortgage, whether it's a purchase, whether it's a refinance, yeah. right? Ask the questions. Yeah. You know, ask the questions, how long does your underwriting take? Where is your underwriters? Are they here, central, in, in, in Florida? Or yeah. at least on the East Coast? Oh, yeah. Or are they in, you know, California? Where are they located? You want to make sure that the support staff that you're going to have as a home buyer is right behind you right. as a team and not just you and and the local loan officer at the bank. You want to make sure that the operations, where's your closers? You know, where do you have a, an assistant to help you gather documents that maybe we need? Ask those questions. Because there's a lot of lenders that do loan originators that do, once you once they get you into the system, you'll, you'll never, never talk to them, them again. Yeah. You'll go through; they're treated like a number. A lot of these, a lot of these um, um, mortgage companies now that, like I said, are on TV. It's a call center. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to come in and and talk to to Jada and say, "Oh my gosh, I pulled my credit cuz I needed a new cell phone. Can you help me?" That's not going to happen. They're not going to pick up past 5. It's true. Yeah. That's just how it is. And then if you do deal with a call center, they're not going to remember that you did call in and say, oh, by the way, you know, I, I, I got my overtime or you have to start over again. So you, you want to make sure that you have the support staff that you need yeah. and that if possible, operations, underwriting is centralized because that's, uh, that, that's the key to any successful closing on or in time is, is how good is the company that's going to take you there. Got it. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's very true. How often do you get these kind of interview conversations? Not often too much, but I do get them from a lot of my, my first time home buyers. Yeah. You know, asking questions like, what makes you different from my local bank? Oh, fantastic. That is a good question. Because banks, a lot of people try to go to their local banks. Oh, I have a relationship. I've right. been with them for years. Mm -hmm. Why? What's the biggest difference? And why would you say go sure. with a mortgage lender versus a standard bank or a credit union? And I worked at a bank. I was a personal and business banker for six years, and yeah. I loved it. It was great. And that's when I realized I need to get out of this and actually help people because that Mr. Smith or Ms. Jones that would come in who has the entire relationship with us, and I'm talking uh, 401K, I'm talking checking, savings, car loan, but when they apply for, for a mortgage, the, the guidelines are too strict at these banks. And I worked for a big bank. Let's just yeah. say that very strict. So it didn't matter that the nice lady, Miss Smith, has been here for 25 years. I'm sorry if you don't fit within these parameters and this guideline declined. Yeah. So when when I started seeing that and, and, and then having to see Mrs. Smith come back the next day to go into her into her safe deposit box with the look, I felt like like it was on me, like I let her down. But it wasn't me. It was my bank. Yeah. So that's when I said, you know what, I bet you I could do this and just do loans just do mortgages yeah so the difference with a bank and caliber that's all we do yeah. 
is refinancing purchases. That's all we do. So that's that that's our language. We don't worry about auto loans. We don't worry about retirement accounts. Another thing too is going into your brick and mortar, your your regular bank. You'll you will pay more fees yeah. because there is a cost associated with going into a brick and mortar. It's just it is what it is. Um, closing delays too um, will be a little bit more. Um, maybe 60 to 90 days is, is what I'm hearing from from a few banks on closing. Yeah, I, everybody, I do explain that myself as well to my buyers is that, you know, you're, you got to think of it. We call it products with you guys as lenders and whatnot. But in a bank, they have, like you said, loan products and for, for um, automobile, not only homes, and then you're still business banking and all right. these other things that they are definitely not solely focused on just the one thing that you're asking for. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate of uh, go with a mortgage lender. Go with a specialist, <laughs> right? Exactly. Because, you know, if you if you have, let's say, an issue with, with uh, you know, you broke your foot, would you just go to a family physician or would you go directly to a specialist? Mm-hmm. And that's a foot. Like Don't what buy about steak your home? from a seafood joint? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so true. Also, with banks, I'm learning now they have made their credit score a lot tougher since oh, really? this, since March 13th, since COVID. Um, few of my colleagues at other banks were looking at 700, 720s. Oh wow! Um, and some of them too, you have to have a relationship with them for three months to even apply for a loan. Oh, that's. That's serious. So, yeah. you know, how is how are you going to get a pre-approval out of that? Yeah. Now, now some some of the banks are great, you know, for for consumers. It just depends on on the on the consumer and their credit, and if it's their first home or, or what have you. But go to go to a specialist. Go to someone that that knows what they're doing, and that's all we do is yeah. mortgages. Mortgages. Mm-hmm. Amen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There has been so much information. There is still always so much more. Yes. We're, we're learning on a constant basis because uh, everything is changing on a constant basis. So uh, I'm always one of those that will always mention that there's a reason why you hire have us on your team. And, and on a buyer side, you really you're not really being you know paying for the buyer's agent so you might as well just have somebody there to have your back um and and we work as a team always uh, i always reach out to my lenders and make sure that they know who i am mm-hmm. very important <laughs> um and and we we know how each other operates so i, I really thank you so much for this information this has been hugely eye-opening even for myself like i said i know a good portion of everything that we've discussed but still there's little things here and there that's like wow I wasn't aware of that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So thank you very much for your information, for your time today. This has been super fun. Yes. Thank <laughs> I you hope, for having me. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. I look um, forward to our next one. And I'm sure know? things will change by the next <laughs> Guidelines will change. Always. Hopefully rates will still be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to roll into 2021 yes. with... Uh, with high hopes. With that high we stay, hopes, like the song. Yeah. Stay good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jada. Everybody, if you uh, need a loan, definitely check out Jada Melendez at Caliber Home Loans. Yes. Um, uh, I work in locally in the Lake Nona office, um, and my contact information is 321-200-2888, 321-200-2888. And if you're on social media, you can look up hashtag Jada the Lender. Thank you for having me. Thank you.